welcome to Paranormal, the New Normal. Another another episode tonight. I gotta say, this two episodes tonight thing is a great thing. I get to talk to many interesting people. I'm your host as always, Jeremy, trying to bring a little normalcy to this world, which in these days is a hard thing to do. My guest tonight, I'm very excited to have. She is another podcaster, author, and just all around amazing person, Shannon Lauren from the Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem podcast. And yes, I had to look at that because I keep <laughs> first. I don't know why. <laughs> See, I know for simplicity, we, we just call ourselves the 3M gals. My, I have a co-host, so <laughs> it's so much easier to be like 3M. It's good. You know, that's some synchronicity right there because I have another podcast called Maniacal Music Musings. Oh. And we call, we call ourselves M-Cubed. Not, all right, so we're okay, though, because it's not the same exactly. It's just similar. <laughs> we're not crossing well, streams. Well, I mean, we're two, I mean, if we, if we're two guys, so we call ourselves the M-Girls. Like, it'd be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my co-host would like that too much. It'd be but... a whole different feel. <laughs> exactly. So, my first question on every episode is, what got you into the world of the paranormal supernatural? Like what made you, what made you want to get into it and write about it? So I grew up with a mom who had, who was very interested in the paranormal and had a lot of experiences and ones that other people saw, including one at a mall where she worked and uh, made a believer of a few people. So I grew up with a lot of, with spirits just being, something that was, you know, there was something that existed and it was a given in our lives. And I've got a billion stories of things that have happened because of that. But um, yeah, I just grew up with so many experiences. I think, you know, there's haunted houses, but I think a lot of time it's the people who are haunted because it didn't matter where we lived. There was always something happening. And then I brought that with me when I moved out and so on and so forth. So for me, that's just been an interest, you know, as a teenager, the normal time I was diving into this stuff to learn more and reading the books on how to open yourself up, which then <laughs> that's a mistake that that's a door you can't close. But um, yeah, so just, it's just a way of life for me really at this point. And I also really love the stories of the people that are involved in these, even if you're just watching this place is haunted because of this, there's always history that goes with that. And I love that too because it exposes you to so many different stories. So it was kind of natural. I grew up watching also a lot of horror. My grandmother used to sneak me <laughs> to horror movies. <laughs> and the thing is, my mom managed like three different theaters in Salem, Oregon, when we lived there. And my grandma would sneak me into one of her theaters because maybe she wasn't there when she got there. And we'd leave and there's my mom and we're coming out of the cat people. That was the first one I remember seeing in the theater for sure with my grandma. <laughs> so little bone of contention there, but I grew up on horror and wanting, love telling the stories of things that were happening. And that just kind of morphed into writing about them and talking about them. Okay. Well, definitely want to hear about some of those experiences. Cause that's what this show is overall as <laughs> an experience show. And, but kind of want to hear about what your mom experienced and other people experienced at a mall. Cause that's, I mean, multiple people experiencing the same thing is always a way more fascinating thing than one person experiencing something because it's it syncs it up that there's no doubt if multiple people saw it oh yeah uh she made a believer of my dad she made <laughs> uh there were a lot of people that she because she never cared if somebody believed her or not but when you see it well, there you go what did she see was it a spirit or so i will say I think that movie theaters, especially old ones, and she worked at one that was really old for a while called the Elsinore in Salem. And it's it was a it was a playhouse first, I think, for actual live shows. So it was this gorgeous building. I loved going there. It had stained glass and it had just like the plush everywhere and it had a balcony and all that. So I loved that theater so much. But it became a movie theater and then it went back to being a playhouse. And now I think it's currently closed. But it was in Portland actually. So wait, no. Anyway, it's either in Salem or Portland. I don't know. I've been all over the place in Oregon when I was living there, but we lived in Salem. So I think it was in Salem. 
anyway, she had an experience and one of the theaters she worked at was a mall and uh, it was in a mall. And there's just so much physical energy is what I was starting to say. And I think that's why theaters and stuff like that end up having more hauntings because I, where there's so many people there pouring their various energies and emotions out into this place at any given time. But anyway, she had something just pick her up in front of two of the security guards and actually pick her up and physically fling her into a wall in front of them. So Ow. it was a, yeah, it was a, like, normally we're not talking a lot of physical things, but this was her one physical encounter and they couldn't do anything about it. It's two big guys. I loved one of them was named Kermit. His name always, you know, as a kid, of course, in the eighties, I'm like Kermit, but so he was standing there. I don't know the other guy and they just witnessed the entire thing. And it was just this, it, the physical, her being picked up and flung in wall, And that was it. I don't think she saw anything there, but that's the one that really got some believers. There were other people there too. It wasn't just the two security guards, but they were the ones she knew. So it could talk to afterwards. Um, but yeah, there were like ghost children at the little Elsinore theater that people would report. They'd come out sometimes and complain about the children in the auditorium. And there weren't children in the auditorium. So that one was a popular one at one of the theaters constantly being reported. Would they, would like these kid spirits just run around and make noise or? Yeah, it was, it, it was like a older sister and a little brother. I think that they were, they looked to be about, she looked to be about eight. He looked to be about maybe five or so. And so sometimes they'd just be standing up there, but they'd stand near the front and people are like, sit down. <laughs> so, and sometimes they just wander around in there. And I don't think that a lot of times they made a bunch of noise. So it wasn't like that. It was just people being like, why is there a kid in Jaws or, you know, whatever was playing there at the time. And, but yeah, sometimes they would be a little disruptive, but mostly it was that physical presence. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's, I mean, it's interesting because I have heard a lot about a lot of different movie theaters being haunted. I mean, they tend to be, I can't say I've never been to one where I experienced something, but all the ones I went to were always newer, built in the 80s or 90s. Like, mm -hmm. so, I mean, in, in malls usually. So, it usually got built when the mall got built, but which usually is 70s or 80s at latest. But, so, I mean, it's interesting. I definitely, I mean, I've heard stories of movie theaters before and I can't think of, there's a couple of famous ones. I mean, besides the obvious ones, like the one Lincoln got shot in. But oh yeah. <laughs> but I so, mean, if you think about it, if you're in a movie theater, there's when you're watching a movie, you're experiencing all these emotions. So it kind of goes back to that. So why that's my theory, you know, just I, there's so much energy being poured out. Yeah, uh, and that definitely does lead to paranormal activity when emotions are poured out in, in mass. Like that's definitely a paranormal activity type situation. That's for sure. I mean, look at Gaysburg for God's sakes. I mean, that's a hot ground for paranormal activity, and there's more emotion in that field field than anywhere in the world. Oh yeah. But so, what kind of short stories do you write? Because you are, I mean, no, oh, let me let me correct myself. What do you write? Is it just short stories or do you write actual, like, do you write books too? Up to this point, it's been primarily short stories. I have a short attention span and so it really caters to all of that for me. And it's also more immediately rewarding, we'll say. You shall sell a short story, it's going to be out. Usually if it's to a magazine, it could be out in the next month. And so it's kind of immediate gratification. But I do, I am working on novels and I'm starting to shop those. So Primarily it's short stories though, up to this point. So I write a lot of horror. It's mostly horror. I've dabbled in mystery recently and a couple other stories have been published, but it's horror. And the horror kind of runs the gamut, right? Because I do, there's paranormal, but I do a lot of human monster type thing. So that's another interest of mine. So just the the monstrosity that can be found in your neighbors basically is a big draw for me. So the Scooby-Doo method yeah. that, that, I, that every monster when you take off the mask is just a human. That's right. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. So 
are they all one-off short stories or do you like do continuations of previous short stories in the next one or typically they're one-off yeah i haven't really done a series of anything the mystery ones tend to be more open to that yeah i mean well yeah unless you have like straight up like a supernatural scooby-doo type thing where it's just an investigative team but which always a good idea i'm just saying always a good idea (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a scenario that has worked in books and short stories for a long 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 time so but i mean i don't want to put idea i don't want to force feed your ideas <laughs> but so what would you say is your most popular short story okay this one's the most popular i think because um well the subject matter so it's it's called blue sludge blues and it's set in like a rest stop bathroom and the whole reason i wrote it in the first place i don't do a ton of gore i do i've leaned increasingly towards psychological there is gore but uh, Anyway, this one, I set out, I wanted to hit certain triggers for people, basically, like the word moist, right? I posted on Facebook asking, this was purely for fun, didn't know if I'd ever sell it, but I wanted something to trigger people because of the gore and the gross out and because of those little triggers. And so I posted asking what words really bother you, stuff like that. And then I wanted to incorporate those into the story. And it ends up being, you know... Nobody likes using those big open hole rest stops and there's something in it, right? Because I remember there's an X-Files episode with, I think that like this, what is it? It's like a, a creature comes up out of one of those at some point, crawls out of one of those bathrooms. And so that's stuck in my head because I've gone on many a road trip because all my family's in Oregon. And I live in Colorado. <laughs> so, oh, okay, yeah. So that one people just like because it's it's always called the porta potty horror story instead of blue sludge blues and that's the one people seek out it's not necessarily my best written but it's gross and it hits the right points <laughs> and yeah I'm trying to think of the extras that's what you're talking about because i i've seen them all of course I know. and i think is it the one with the white creatures that come out of the sewer I don't see it's just like this one single image even though i watch i've watched it at least twice through i used to own i, I owned all the vhs to date myself of x files and then i never quite converted that over to dvd but now it's on streaming all the time so yeah. i swear it was like a single creature and it's it's gonna drive me nuts that i can't remember specifically because i normally can. yeah it must have been uh there are certain episodes I remember because they brought them over to the comic books that they still release to these days. And like the home episode from like the first season with the incest family and uh, those the white peacock creatures. family. Yeah. Peacock yeah. family. Yeah. And the, and the one with the white creature from the black lagoon looking um, creatures that are in the sewer. And like I at think the end of that, at the end of the episode, like one of them gets cut in half with a gate because Mulder pulls the lever at the right time. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think that's what it because that's they brought that over to the comic books too, and they had like a whole race of them come out of the stores at one point. So, yeah, I like that's why I like. I mean, that's why I like the Expulse comics because it continues things from the series, and it's amazing that they keep it going. They have to because Fox renewed it for a season or two and then it got canceled again. So yeah. Right. Well then there was a whole season without Mulder. It was like that's kind of when they lost me anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. The final season, there's no Mulder and there's very little Scully. Yeah. It's it's Robert Patrick, the bad guy from Terminator 2, and Giselle something or Giselle. I have oh, her name. Is it yeah not my favorite i don't think i even i'm not sure i even watched the entire season when they did that because i was all about Mulder and scully well it was a good season because it was about a lot about scully and their alien baby that's right so that's why it was a good season but and robert patrick i actually did like him on the show he played a very good um like like at first he at first they were both scullies because they didn't want to believe in anything and then eventually Rob Patrick became a Mulder. And when he finally met Mulder in like the last few episodes, it was amazing. Like it was a great, like, cause Mulder comes back for the end of the season. So that's right. 
spoilers, people, from 1995. Right. I think you'll ones. be okay. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so what paranormal topics have you covered, Zach Curiosity? So the, the podcast is... Oh, no, no. I meant your short stories. Oh, I see. Got you. So paranormal, one of my big ones, one of my first ones, actually, that I got published was called The Blue Mist. And it's because I kept hearing about, so Estes Park is a mountain town here in Colorado. It's where the Stanley is, the where The Shining was written. And Mm -hmm. so it's a fun place to go up. I like to go up there once a year, like during off season and spend a couple days at the Stanley just doing writing stuff. But I heard that there was, there's a kind of a, there's the Blue Mist in Estes Park and it's supposed to creep down the mountains and you don't want to be out when the Blue Mist comes. And I was like, okay, but then what happens? Like, what does the blue mist do? Tell me. And they're like, no, no, it's just bad. It's bad mist. And uh, you don't want to find out what happens. And I was like, okay, well, how about I figure out what happens then? So I I wrote that story and that was a big paranormal one because it kind of had to be. I mean, it could have been a variety of things, but I I really liked that story. It was fun to have my own take on something from a a local tale that you hear about all the time. Interesting. I want to read now to find out what the creature is. but. (laughs) And I, yes, I don't expect you to give it away in here because I want people to read it, not just. But have you ever gone into like cryptids, like such as Bigfoot or Mothman? I have explored that in a novel more and stuff around the novel for urban fantasy type stuff. For me, I am part Native American also. And so I like to mix. I like to take those and I like to stick to the original tales because when let's say uh wendigo for example when that gets written about they don't stick to any of the actual lore of it and so i like to actually bring those back and go to the real lore of them and because it drives me nuts it's just all these iterations on it and nobody even bothered to find out anything real about the creature right so i do like to do a lot of cryptids in that. And of course, growing up, I was big into Bigfoot slash Sasquatch and all that. He was one of my favorites. And then I don't think I learned about Chupacabra until going back to X-Files. Yeah, <laughs> They the had one, Chupacabra. The yes. And so I was like, what is that? That's great. And then there's articles about that all the time about people thinking they have Chupacabras and stuff. So I've written about that. Not in a short story again. Well, it is a short story off of that fantasy. So it's funny that for cryptids, I tend to go fantasy instead of so much horror. But I also love to create my own monster for my horror. So that's probably why I'm at instead of using monsters that are always used. Yeah, which makes sense to me. I mean, I it's it's I mean it's like when well, okay, no, I'm not going to use that example because he doesn't usually make his own monsters. He just uses monsters that exist already in the world but yeah i get that because when i read if i read a book and it's a monster i never heard of before but it's like it has features of other monsters kind of like you know you you take the head of a vampire and you put it like on a body of a werewolf or something like that and keeps keep it going like you could basically make like a a homemade like version well it's fun oh yeah i think didn't they do that in underworld (laughs) i think didn't they have a hybrid yeah, yeah. The but, vamp werewolf. Yeah, the vamp wolf. Vamp wolf. Sounds like a good <laughs> metal band. Sounds like a good metal band. It does. So the novels you're writing, can you share any details on those possibly? Or So the one, I call it the uh, myth stalker. And so hopefully that'll be out someday, but it's not out right now. And again, this goes back to my native roots and the character like me is mixed i am not going to write somebody who is full-blooded and has had a life that i haven't had i'm not going to steal that i feel that stealing a story from somebody but her job is tracking down these creatures of native myth and doing whatever needs doing to resolve the situation so and kind of like uh so like a hunter basically almost like mm -hmm. a hunter or Basically like a, a monster thing, hunter, example. but with the native slant. Yeah. Interesting. I like the idea that, that I, and I, I mean, 
I catch it. I can't think of anything I've ever read that was like that actually had a native hunting things. That's I mean, good. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm definitely happy. I haven't. I'm happy. I can't think of anything. But um, there yes. is. Oh my gosh, what is her name? Patricia Briggs has a character that's a uh, shifter. So that's oh, one that I can. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. And oh, you mean a uh, streamwalker? Uh, she is just, no, she's just a shapeshifter. Uh, I think she becomes a coyote. It's been a oh. while, but it's the Mercy Thompson series, I think is what it is. Oh, Mercy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mer I know the name Mercy. I know that. I know a book series exists about a, a woman named Mercy. I just, I haven't been able to read in freaking years, kids. <laughs> I was, I, I, I was up to like 1983 in Stephen King books and then like moving in with my stepkids. It's just like impossible to read anything. I don't have the time, but so 100%. Yeah, I mean, which I like, I like the idea. I like the idea. Good. So, Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I know. Well, I have every time I have an author on, they tell me this, like about their books and short stories. I'm like, oh, so much more stuff I want to read, but I'll never have the chance to read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kids I mean, definitely yeah. cut into that <laughs> eating time. Exactly. So, was I was gonna simple the name Merrick. Oh, it's funny because we well the Wendigo thing because I like that Stephen King and Pet Cemetery in the book, not the movies that ruin it, but the book he actually uses like the word Wendigo in it, and I think that's one of the first like popular books that Wendigo was ever published in. But yeah, probably because that was seventy something. The uh, Pet Cemetery, I think it was seventy nine, but okay. and. I mean, they ruined it in the movie because they didn't even mention it or bring it up. They just hear the sound, but right, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I know. Right. And if I mean, I mean, if you didn't read the book, then yeah, you wouldn't even know it. But it's just, it's sad. It's sad, and we actually covered that in my uh, other paranormal podcast. That was our that was our first episode we did on a discussion podcast, uh, Global Strangeness. It was Wendigos. Okay. And we actually have a we just did a Skinwalker one too, actually. It became both of those, yeah, became really popular. And again, don't stick at all to the actual lore. Although I will say one of my favorite movies, because I, I love a horror comedy, is uh, Ravenous and the way they use that mythology or lore. I, I haven't heard of that one. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's, I don't even know how to, <laughs> how to describe it, but it's set back, I think, Civil War time. And it's these uh, soldiers at this isolated outpost and people keep getting killed off and they don't know who's doing it. And it all tracks back to the mythology. If you, uh, Wendigo's created, if you consume human flesh. Yeah. Because it, it came about up in, you know, Northern reaches of Canada and in places that got isolated when it was snowing and, heavily and cannibalism sometimes happened right and so it was a big thing that showed up in stories because of that yeah and i i mean and that, that's why for the first episode we i i mean i think it was my idea to choose when to go because like it always just fascinated me to no end like the i and i know that people the white man ruins everything <laughs> stories everything the white the white man ruins everything and but so yeah i mean because even skinwalkers like the way they're used today like on the secret skinwalker ranch which i do love that show and but it's actually not it's only the name it's they there's no proof of a skinwalker on that ranch nowadays but there's definitely proof of other things but proof of an actual skinwalker no so i i mean the re the whole reason of them named that ranch was just so dumb because it was literally just because a big wolf came around <laughs> and there was nothing there they, they didn't see it change into a human so i mean I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> like, no, but I mean, it makes for a splashy name. So, well, yeah, it does. <laughs> because I mean, even before I knew what a Skinwalker was, I've heard of Skinwalker Ranch. And, and oh, what was that movie you mentioned that the first one you saw your grandma? I wanted to ask you about that. But totally oh, uh, Cat People. I have, I think no. I've heard of that one. But is that like a 70s horror movie? It's, it would have been early 80s. And, oh, it's not, it's Natasha, it's not Natasha Hinstridge, Hinstridge, it's somebody else. 
I can't remember her last name, but yeah. So it's, it's, they change into black Panthers. So oh. it's like a werewolf basically situation kind of, but they're turning into black Panthers. I don't remember if they uh, properly say black. Yeah, leopard, they, probably but... don't. They, they probably don't, but <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually just watched sleepwalkers for another podcast. I'm on regularly uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I never saw that one before. And I was like, and I'm like, really, Stephen King? They turned to cats? <laughs> like, <laughs> like ugly oh, cats. Oh, that's right. Uh, and they, because when you said cat people, that's what made me think of. <laughs> but I got you. Yeah. I did not hate that movie. <laughs> it's, it's in its own cheesy way. It's endearing. But I'm fascinated by the actress that played the mom in that. She's, she's an interesting lady. Yeah, I don't know if I even know. I don't even know her name. I know I don't. I, I know the you name know what? And I don't like. I'll, I know her when I see her, but I don't necessarily remember her name. But uh, she played the Borg Queen in you know, Star Trek: oh. The Next Generation movies or something like that. I don't know if it was on the TV show. I I mean that movie was just. Well, I mean it's Stephen King, so of course there's incest in the movie, but <laughs> I mean that first scene when like he's like hey mom and all mm, i'm like what the hell dude yeah. come on they that established that pretty fast <laughs> yeah i know and i'm like i'm sitting there watching we like well, uh, and then they finally show the transformation i'm like okay respect it respect it i like it i like it it's interesting definitely a movie i was able to sit through definitely i mean it's yeah. not like i had turned off not like i'd turn off halfway through because it was horrible like attack of the killer tomatoes but <laughs> how often do you get to see somebody killed with is it a corn cob <laughs> Don't they kill somebody yeah. with a corn cob in the ear? It's been a while. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or that might be one of the sequels, maybe. But there's like five of them. I don't know why. But so what was I gonna say? Uh, what magazines your stories get published in? That's what I was gonna ask. Uh, so there's a variety but horror mostly horror magazines i recently had one come out in a literary magazine which was nice that's an you know it's a nice change from it, it was a horror piece but uh it was called where's it at this point sometimes i've written too many stories uh i think it's called corp coffin birth there we go because you know that's a whole fascinating topic on its own uh but I've been publishing things like Dark Moon Digest and Space and Time magazine and other magazines like that. The literary okay. hatchet. <laughs> Interesting. There's a lot. Horror is very popular for short stories because, I mean, when I think a lot of times horror works much better in a short space it, than a long space because tension. It does. And there's a reason that most horror movies are only 90 minutes and they usually don't go beyond that unless it's like literally Stephen King's it or something but right. I but yeah and I and it's funny because one of my favorite podcasts is um something scary podcast and that's basically what they do is each episode's three or four short heart stories like audio okay version though yeah and it's usually y'all user submitted stuff from online which is pretty cool but a lot of some of it's interesting some of it's very cliche werewolf vampire stuff but Certain episodes are freaking amazing. Like certain episodes, I just can't turn off. Other ones, I was like, e skip. <laughs> but let's say it kind of fills that since you don't get time to read. I mean, at least you. It's like it's I, like reading. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is. I I don't like audiobooks personally. I just was having this conversation with someone the other night, but I am not a fan of audiobooks. I'd rather hold the actual book in my hand, or at least hold my phone in my hand and read it. I'm the same. Yeah. I, but I also don't have the attention span to listen to an audiobook. I've tried. It's probably so, bad to say. <laughs> see, I always had this idea for a book series where it's basically that there's a, a cryptid, all the different cryptids around the world have like a government almost. And uh -huh. they're like, there's a representative of each like cryptid race. And I always had this awesome story idea where it's this it's all about the ones who are running it all. Like it's all about the cryptic government. <laughs> like you could do so many like co comparisons close to like the actual government, like U S government and everything. It would just be perfect. And Oh yeah. I don't know. There's plenty of comedy I could throw in there too, but see, that'd just, be was... perfect. 
I know. I I got a lot of time to read. Hunter Wright's definitely not going to. No, <laughs> it does take a lot of time. <laughs> it does. It does. I, I did when I was when I was younger. I did dabble in it. I never did anything great, but I did dabble in it. But it just didn't seem like, I don't know. I always say I, I should have took that as a career at one point because it would have been an option. And I could have actually succeeded if I tried harder. But yeah. Mistakes made. <laughs> but, but let's talk about your show because I'm dying to hear about your podcast. So it's you and a co-host, I believe, right? Yeah. MV Partlow is my co-host. And she's a fellow writer. She writes uh, fantasy and space opera. Ooh, I love me some good space opera. (laughs) I do, I do, I do. But and I'm I'm a fantasy person too, though. I really didn't get into horror a lot until I started reading Stephen King books. Then I really got into horror like heavy. But he's a he's a gateway drug, basically. <laughs> Stephen King is the one a lot of people started with. And as a kid, that's what I was reading Stephen King when I was like too young to have been reading Stephen King. I think I started reading it when I was 10, nine or 10. That was actually the last Stephen King book I finished. Okay. It's long. I- it's a tomb. Oh, I, it took me a couple months to finish it completely because I would only read at night when I was outside having like my last two cigarettes or something. But so it was only like 15 minutes, half hour a night. But, and it's, it, I didn't start till, till 2017 when I saw it in theaters and I was like, okay, time to start reading Stephen King, I think. Okay. Cause I wanted to read it before I saw the second part, which didn't end up happening, but regardless. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm like, all right, I I cannot start at it. I have to start at the beginning of his books because his books do run together at certain parts. Like he does call back to things or he does. He characters. calls back. He's got a whole world. Basically, the Dark Tower oh, yeah. book showed that big time. I, that's the book I left off on the second one. OK. The, uh, I can't remember what it's called now. It's well, and those are really part. those are his dark fantasy, right? Some of his dark fantasy. He doesn't always write horror. So. Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, it's. It's. it's I mean, fantasy plus horror, kind of. It's yeah. horror fantasy, I'd say. His fantasy is like the Talisman, which they're probably making a TV show off of, and I can't wait for that. But. But yeah, because Peter Straub just died this week, who he co-wrote with. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I, I think I, I saw Stephen King's tweet about it. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I. It's sad because that the talisman was good, and I always I started reading the Black House when I was a kid because my dad mm-hmm. had it laying in the car one day, and but he spent so long just describing every house and family in the town that I just got so sick of it. I was like, done. <laughs> like I'm like I can't read any more of this. Like it's just a hundred pages of describing houses. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I mean that's just Stephen King for you. Every book opens with like a first few chapters just being usually like a killing scene and then just an intro to the town which i mean i get the town's important in all your books i get that but come on <laughs> like, yeah he's very back. much town is character for him so yeah well it, it's funny because we did on the on evening at the movies podcast they just did a stephen king six top 16 movies tournament and they actually had each division of it broke up into like dairy or uh shawshank but Okay. Or not not Shawshank, but where Shawshank is, I forget. What um, is it in Castle Rock? Castle Rock. Yes. Of this yeah. Okay. Castle Rock. Yeah, that, that was one of the. Yeah, that was one of the divisions. How can I forget that? It's the name of one of the greatest TV shows ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I still love the story that he ran into a lady at the mall, and she was like, or at a store, and she was lecturing him about writing, you know, that bad bad stuff or whatever, and she was like, you should write something write something quality like the Shawshank Redemption or whatever. And he was like, I did write that. And she was like, no, you didn't. (laughs) There's a whole story about that. And she never believed him. So who knows if she went home and figured it out. It's actually funny because even in this tournament, like a lot of people, and like I was watching Green Mile and my wife's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, the Stephen King tournament. She's like, Stephen King wrote the Green Mile? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I read... I read the I read the Shawshank Redemption uh, short story, and before I saw before I saw the movie, and I mean, short stories are hard to adapt into movies though, because you have to add so much stuff into them to make them a full movie. You'd actually be surprised because uh, short stories actually translate really well to film because of how of, of their amount of content. Or as movies, that's why you keep seeing movies so much stuff missing from a novel, and oh, uh, yeah. or like multiples 
Harry Potter broken up into two movies for one book, that sort of thing. And it, I just was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're talking about that. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, oh, you mean like how Harry Potter's films are leave out characters completely that were in the books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, peeps. But... <laughs> Sorry, you don't exist anymore. It's fine. So... But he would have been he would have been the funniest ghost ever. Like, <laughs> I wish, but at, we were we were talking about your podcast. That's right. So, okay. So, what do you guys usually talk about in your podcast? Is it just always you two, or do you bring on guests? Uh, we we have guests sometimes because we're writers. We have our kind of different thing is that our guests are always a writer who comes on to then tell. So we do true crime, paranormal, and cryptids, and honestly, mayhem's in there, and it gives us license to do whatever sounds interesting to us, whether it fits those categories or not. Uh, my my compatriot is not. So I had my uh, love true crime and and read those books and read the John Douglas books and did all that stuff and grew up because, again, it harkens back to my childhood. Uh, when I was about three, a, a serial killer came after my mom. She had been friends with his sister. And so I was in the car when he tried to run her off the road. And that was his MO, was to uh, run a young woman off the road and do the whole let's get out and exchange information and take her. And luckily, because my mom was heading out to her parents' farm in Turner, Oregon, it, which is it's like wooded farms. It's kind of an interesting dynamic I haven't seen elsewhere, but I'm sure exists elsewhere. And she knew the area better than him, luckily, because they she had known him in like a little town. And um, she was able to pull off at one point, get far enough ahead of him to pull off, hide, turn off the car and turn off the lights before he passed her. She pulled into somebody's driveway because they were big, long, you know, farm driveways yeah. in the woods. And yeah. so, you know, once I knew that and, uh, Stuff like uh, I was almost kidnapped and some guy tried to get me into his car and I ran into a stranger's house to get away from him when I was about, judging by the house I was living in, again, that's around nine or 10. And Jesus. so I, there's a bunch of stories like that too. And so, of course, I was going to grow up and want to know why stuff like that happened. And so I got into true crime. So I've been into true crime and the paranormal and all that because of my life forever. And she tends to do more of the mayhem and she loves like old hatchet murders, stuff like that. Cause it, it, it's a little different than looking at a serial killer who butchers and does horrible, awful things. Right. So she tends to go to those, but we've done, we had a guest come on and talk about the Winchester mansion, for example, and I covered the LaLaurie mansion in that one. And we all kind of themed it around the same. When we can, we'll theme it with a guest. Just yeah. it seems like a more comfortable thing for the guest. But uh, we don't pre-talk about what we do. So we can come in with completely different stories. And then we record two each time we record. So two back to back. And it it's just... I've covered all sorts of fun things because she lived in Virginia at one point and I lived in Maryland at one point. We, you know, we had to talk about creatures around the Chesapeake Bay and stuff like that. So there's, of course, Chessie. I always loved that there was Chessie, which is just like the Loch Ness Monster, but in oh, Chesapeake yeah. Bay. There's a bunch of those sorts of creatures. Oh, sea monsters are abundant. I mean, oh, yeah. Ogo, Ogopogo and Champ, all the other ones. I mean... There's so many of those. <laughs> I mean, we actually have been putting off doing that in our paranormal on Global Strangers because it's just like we we'd have to do like a three parter to cover them all, and it's just I don't know. Maybe start with maybe just do countries for a while, different country water monsters, but because it's there's so many. I mean, if you go to Asia, if you go to Japan, oh my god, there's so many water monsters that they have oh, the kappa, yeah. the the kappas, and everything else. So. So how, how often does it get paranormal though? Like how often do you guys talk about a cryptid or a aliens? I will say it's, it runs more along the true crime is more standard, but we try to hit it, try to have something paranormal once a month or something like that, or cryptids. So that we get it out in aliens. I did aliens on the, uh, our UFO sightings on the West coast. The West coast is huge for sightings. Like Oregon is big. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the whole nation is big. The whole world is big for UFOs well, yeah. in the last 15 years. But 
I swear to God, I, I mean, my favorite podcast, Monsters Among Us, the amount of UFO sightings on that show is incredible. And yeah, it's funny, I, you mentioned that when you said when you said that your mom had a saying that other people saw as well, I almost assumed it was a UFO. Well, here's the thing about that. There is a, there, it, I don't know if she was in Oklahoma or Oregon, but the entire town was one of the ones that famously saw a UFO. So she was there for that. I wish I, I don't remember... Because the thing is, the town she was born in has an annual UFO festival, McMinnville, Oregon. But I don't know if it was there or somewhere else. I did cover the yeah. sighting there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, UFO sightings is just, you you could literally go on for days and days about UFO sightings. There's been so many of them since 1940-something, six, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Like, since then, they just, I mean, personally, my favorite one is Barney and Betty Hill. But that one's just so fascinating and so proven i mean the hypnotherapy tapes are so convincing that no one could think they're lying no one could think they're lying it's scary almost like listening to those is like listening to horror for a little bit but those are the ones i love though like on the show i try and the problem is when you start researching something to do an episode on it say a ghost story or a sighting or something like that you're of course then going to run into all the stuff that's trying to prove that wasn't real or whatever. And sometimes it's kind of hard to then do that story if there's too much good evidence against it and not enough for it. But I love to do the ones where there is like indisputable evidence. And I don't remember like proper names or anything, but one of the ones on the Eastern, uh, the sorry, the West Coast that I did, it was actually actively tracked by multiple, it, there's, I was able to post the radio chatter from the base that was tracking whatever it was and they sent they scrambled planes in california to head up north because it was in it was they were sighted in washington and oregon i think and like there's just there are there's reports from a cop who saw it on this thing on one night and stuff like that so there's official stuff down there and that's what was so fascinating that's the ones that i really like to talk about because it's like all right you can believe or not believe that's up to you but here's yeah, actual I mean, radio footage <laughs> i think i have heard about that one i can't remember what it was called but i think i have heard about that one I, I all those details sound very familiar to me but then again i've heard about so many of them it just all blends together after a little while it does that is one topic especially alien ufo sightings stuff like that that tends to fall into very rigid lines if you've heard about one little green man or one little gray man then you've heard about them all yeah i mean but i also i mean i've had star seeds in my show as well and like their star seeds talk to palladians and other alien species that they talk about so it's just it's interesting like the uh and the fact that the government took covid but the government probably admitted that they knew about it even though they'd known about it for almost 100 years at this point uh-huh. if not if not more if not more i mean who knows because i mean it's they, they really were ancient aliens obviously i mean there's cave paintings that have alien ships on them so and they only drew what they saw so i mean they're not going to draw a buffalo and then draw a, a ufo next to it unless they <laughs> saw, saw the ufo like right because other than time. birds and whatnot right there wouldn't have been flying things around them for them to think of something like that uh, yeah no there wouldn't oh yeah machinery didn't exist so if you're drawing machines in the air it seems kind of hard to argue that that was made up i mean not to say they couldn't make stuff up but <laughs> so what made you want to get into podcasting i sort of asked it to start with but that's you know it was I'd been listening for a while. It was really the My Favorite Murder podcast. And then I have some friends who do podcasts. One of my friends, he's one of Hugo. He does the Functional Nerds podcast. And he used to do another one. And I can't think of the name of it, but it's defunct now anyway. But that may be the only one Hugo's for. But I, so I knew a little bit about it. And the pandemic hit. And it was something that my friends and I did. I was like, we can do this. We can talk about this stuff. We like to talk. Let's do this. And it ended up being kind of a way for us to be in contact with our friends too and bring one of them on Zoom or whatever and have them come tell their own stories or I like to ask, did something happen 
in your childhood or, you know, in your town or anything like that, that you want to talk about. But yeah, it just was a way for us to do something during the pandemic when we couldn't leave our houses and it just kind of kept going. Cause then, you know, as they do, it keeps tumbling the moss and the rock and all that good stuff, right? It keeps tumbling down the hill and we pick up a few more, a few more listeners. So it, now we just, it's, we're still enjoying it. And as long as we're enjoying it, then we'll keep doing it. That's the thing. I mean, podcasts are a labor of love. You have to mm -hmm. know you're not going to become a millionaire overnight by doing a podcast. I mean. No, just like being a, a writer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all like, like, like most are, it's all labors of love because you have to love it. Otherwise there's no point in you doing it really. Cause it's not going to benefit you in the beginning. If no. you do it for a long time, then it's possible. It's very possible. That's kind of the beautiful thing in listening to podcasts too, because you know that anybody who has one is doing it because this is something that they love, you know, something that they enjoy talking about. And she and I had, we used to, we met at a writer's group and we were running things. And so we used to host uh, live workshops and stuff like that. And so we'd co-hosted something live in front of people on a stage every single month for two years. So it was kind of natural springboard, although I will say there are distinctive differences you learn if uh, you're used to public speaking and you go to podcasting. There's a lot of things that you do differently because you don't have to fill a hole, for example, on a podcast because you can edit out that quiet time. But when you're live in front of people, you're used to having to fill any hole that comes and riff off of each other. So, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even on podcasts, I don't like to have like the empty spaces because then it's just more work for me. But right, <laughs> I mean, I and this show, I tend to release just unedited. Like for the most part, I usually make sure the beginning lines up and the end lines up, and that's it. Like after that, it's just usually good to go, unless there was a unless there was a network issue. Then that's a whole other issue. But oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Any big events coming up for your podcast in the future, especially with Halloween coming around the corner? We're about to hit our 100th episode, which is exciting. Congrats. <laughs> so, yeah, we do because we put it out weekly. We did have that first year. We did like a season break of, of I think, two or three weeks. And then we decided after that, no, we'll just pre-record so we don't have any more breaks in between seasons. So it's every single week and we're about to hit that 100. So, Yeah. We're going to celebrate with some cake. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do two episodes a week and I'm about halfway there at this point, but it's only been going since April. So, well, yeah, I got to, and I actually was just talking on the previous episode tonight with a guest about an idea I have for the new year, how I might change it up a little bit, but details not to come. I think it's right. not going to come to the new, it's not going to come to the new year, but. Might start, might start using more of the phrase paranormal than normal in different ways. So, but we'll it's see. Fun. You got to uh, keep we'll... changing stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Well, I don't care. I'll, I'll say it again because they're going to hear that episode first anyway. Anybody who's listening to my show. So, but I basically always regretted that I didn't do start another podcast the same time as this one that was more like able to have pretty much anybody on it with anything they want to talk about, like any topic. Because, I mean, you do, I mean, paranormal, I love, don't get me wrong, but you do a paranormal podcast and it's limited. I mean, I can't have an author of, unless they actually do like horror or paranormal on, like I can't, I can't do an author that just writes pure Sherlock Holmes type books like all the time because it's just, it wouldn't relate to my audience and then they would stop listening. <laughs> so that is, stop listening. that is tricky. Yeah. Cause that was our thing. That's kind of why we fell into the mayhem and we're like, listen some real mayhem happen here so i'm gonna do it anyway but it does even with ours with us having made it so it was a few things instead of just the one i mean you're still gonna run into uh i'd love to talk about this topic because it interests me but eh, it's not right for the podcast so maybe i'll write a blog post well i was actually I'm, i was just gonna ask two-parter question what's your favorite episode that you guys have done so far out of the almost 100 you've done. And then while you're thinking about that, the second question is, what's the most bizarre topic you ever you covered on the show? Like, what's the most craziest bizarre topic? So I did 
one of my favorite, and I can't think of the title of it right now. I can't even think of the title of my own short stories, let alone a podcast episode. But um, it, it was one, we laughed so hard because she covered this maple syrup heist that happened. It was a big deal, but it was a maple syrup heist. And it was just, here I am doing like a serial killer or something. And she's doing a maple syrup heist. And it just, it was hysterical, but <laughs> there were diametrically opposed, but it's you're talking very seriously about this, the crime of stealing a bunch of maple syrup. And it's like, okay, <laughs> but I, recently did what is it called Campton Wonder and it's it's a it's a really old basically unsolved mystery true crime deal where this guy who was going to I forget what his title is you know but he lived on this property for kind of a lord lady sort of situation his job was to walk to this other town and collect the fee from all the people who owed this lord money right and on the way out one night, he disappears. And this, one of the people who works for him gets accused of the crime. And first they deny it. Then they're like, oh yeah, I didn't do it. But my mom and my brother did. Throws the mom and the brother under the bus. They all three get hanged. And who should wander back? What is it? Like it's a couple years later, but this dude who disappeared all those years ago. So they didn't murder anybody and they got hanged for it. And it's just such a great story because he says he was kidnapped and sold into slavery, but he was like 70 something years old. And it's like, who would kidnap a 70 something year old man and sell him into Turkish slavery? So, cause it, yeah, it's just, it's an, inter there's a lot more to that story that of course, but that's the gist of it is like, oh, Hey, peekaboo, here he is. He's totally alive. And these people, this guy totally said that his mom and his brother did it and he witnessed them doing it and helped them hide the body and all this stuff. So one wonders why somebody would admit to that and take his family with him and what really happened to the guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's different. Definitely. I mean, that's definitely crazy. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of that because it's, I mean, yeah, people got hung back then all the time for stupid reasons, but it's just weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, there was a little bit of, she's a witch, but uh, about the mom, but. Eh, I mean, well, that's a little funny because that's our topic on Global Strangers this week is, is um, witch trials, but. Yeah, this one, it's this dumb, they thought, they felt she was a witch because when the other brother, the older brother who'd been accused who his brother accused him was walking to wherever they were going to the courthouse or whatever. His two children ran from their house, ran up to him and they both got nosebleeds and therefore she was a witch. And it was like this whole thing, like, okay, all right, I'm not following your rationale, but that's all you needed. Isn't it back then? In uh, witch hunts? Back then, back then all you do is say a witch sneeze is that woman sneezed at you and she was a witch. I mean, oh, yeah. it was just crazy. She looked at me Cur funny. I think she was cursing me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, that's why I love Aaron Mankey's show on Obscure, like the first season where he did the Soundwitch trials. Like, it shed so much light on previously unknown facts about the Soundwitch trials. Oh, yeah, I bet. And I, like I, I actually, and it's funny because I actually went to Salem with my wife and kids years ago, before the year before COVID. And the tour guide on the one tour we were taking, the one walking tour we did, I after he gets done, like, we're walking back towards like the main office where they, go back to he's like i'm like so have you guys listened to unobscured by aaron Mankey? He's like oh we love that show we basically rewrote our whole speech because of it it's so easy that it's all in one place it's so convenient <laughs> so i was like okay that's why all this information sounds so familiar to me because nice. it's literally like it's literally like right after the season ended <laughs> so it was pretty funny i was like oh my god all right glad i wasted my money on this but <laughs> I mean, it's still fun to have the actual sites pointed out, but it's this. Like, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I still need to go to Salem some point. It's got to happen. My sister went yeah. during uh, Halloween month, went during October, and so it's all kinds of fun stuff happening there if you go then. But you got to wait. Wait whether you want to be around that many people. Sorry. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's We went during October, too, and that's when it's packed, and 
we yeah we, we had to go in october because there was a bunch of haunted houses open too and oh my son got the crap scared out of him one by a freaking <laughs> chain we, we kept asking are you sure you want to go in and he's like five at the time oh maybe. yeah and we're like you sure you want to go in he's like yeah yeah and so he went in with his he went in with his grandfather and like you hear nothing for the longest time and then all of a sudden at the end like right when they're about to come out you hear at the end you hear him start wailing and wailing and at we me and my wife went in before them while the grandfather watched the kids and at the end there's a guy that jumps up with a chainsaw that's all it is, is the guy jumping out with a chainsaw running which that's what made him cry the guy oh. with the chainsaw the, everything else in it all the people walking by with knives and stuff didn't bother him but the guy that jumped out because it's just the noise i think it's of, loud and the, yeah and the surprise of it, it like it just it was it, it just made like the fear in his head like overload and he he wouldn't stop crying for like fifteen minutes. It was so bad. We get I get I kept saying to him like, "You said you wanted to go in. You can't cry if you want to go in." I took, there's no cry. There's no crying in haunted houses. So messed up. I took my brother and it was probably he was probably like, I'm gonna say we'll say eight or nine. I'm about six years older than him. And we went into a haunted house, just the two of us. And he ended up so freaked out partway through that like. One of the monsters had to break character and walk us out the rest of the way, but they were really good. I guess with their son, it happened so near the end, there wasn't much they could do, right? But with us, they just no, walked he, him he, through the rest of it because there was a little kid freaking out and crying. No, he he just basically it was right at the exit door. Like that guy jumped yeah. out right at the last turn for the exit door, and the whole thing was just stupid. Like I, me, and my wife walked through it, and it's funny because like we went through another one with both kids. And my wife jumped out and scared my son. And 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 the one guy in the mask goes by is like, that's my job. Oh. <laughs> that's like you so, never know yeah. what's gonna scare somebody though. I learned that with the weird way with my kids. You know, each one because I started by introducing them to horror comedies when it came like tremors and and stuff like that. And then what what does my son get freaked out by? He's totally cool with Jaws and Tremors and all these things that I'm showing him. And then we watched the movie Evolution with David Duchovny. Back to him again, I guess. But there's a like a white ape alien thing. And that freaked yeah. my son out. Like nothing else. None of the other horror I'd showed him had bothered him. Alien, none of it. And then this white ape just got him and he was having nightmares about it. And I was like, I didn't know. <laughs> I knew to watch when we were watching horror movies, but not Evolution, which is a comedy. <laughs> yeah evolution is the one where isn't evolution the one where the one guy ends up like basically birthing mutants out his asshole does he no but there's like a alien bug that gets in the one guy's suit and it goes i think it tries to oh. go yeah it's I got it's, okay orlando jones and david duchovny and uh yeah it's yeah. Orlando Jones. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm picturing him like screaming while it's happening and everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I know I saw that movie, but I haven't seen it since the, like, I was a kid and it came out. And I, I, I have to watch it again, actually. It's been a good 20 years. but It's still a fun one because I've watched it again since I freaked out my son. I was like, you want to watch this again now that you're way past being freaked out? He's 17. So it's a fun yeah. movie. So any... Is there any big topics coming up in your podcast that you're looking forward to? I research everything the week before. So, and we record every other week. So I'm not sure yet. There's always good uh, stuff you, on there though. Well, is there any, is there any topic that you'd really like to cover that you haven't yet? Especially in like the paranormal world possibly? Uh, I have not done, again, going back to the native lore, I want to cover some of that and I want to start putting that in the, podcast a little bit more because you know that's my thing and my interest and it's not something that's covered a lot other places i'd love to cover some of the lesser known entities like the uh, raven mocker is a cherokee witch and i'd love oh. to cover that so because nobody's really heard of that unless they're cherokee i think so um yeah that's the type of thing i want to have in there going forward more and we always we have it. that smattering of hauntings that we like to do because that's always again a good historical story too. I've heard it before only because of a I'm pretty sure a guest on one paranormal show I listened to, like was Native American and talking about it. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason I knew about it. But awesome. <laughs> yeah, because I yeah, I I mean uh, I I've heard this amazing Native American guest on uh Stores of Sapphire and I 
after he tweeted, I, I, I tweeted at him and I messaged him on Twitter trying to get him on, but he hasn't responded yet. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I want to get you on. You had some interesting stories I'd love to hear more about. And he, oh, yeah, because that's untapped, really, for a lot of people. I, I get, they've all heard of Skinwalkers and Wendigo, but they haven't heard Wendigo, but they haven't heard of. There's so many other because each tribe had their own lore. So, yeah, they did. And that's why I love Native American mythology, too, because it's just so fascinating. I mean, the stories about Coyote alone are just so humorous. Oh, I love a trickster. I love a trickster. Yeah. But I and also I'm... did a mythology class once, and you got to choose a country, and I went and looked into Aboriginal lore, and that was also fascinating in Australia. So there's some really good stuff oh. there that's untapped, too. Oh, yeah. The the Bunyip, the Yowie. I mean, uh -huh. all, all that stuff is just so fascinating down there. I mean... The land down under never disappoints, whether it be mythology or real or real life. <laughs> or creatures or serial killers. It's all there. So plenty of, th plenty of things to kill you down there. That's for sure. Yeah. 100%. Well, the only thing I will recommend is if you guys ever want a topic for your show, living dinosaurs is a fun topic to do. Oh, yeah. Mokele Mbembe. Oof. That's my favorite cryptid right there. I love me some uh, living dinosaurs, like especially Mokele and Bembe is like the entryway into it. But there's so many other stories of pterodactyls in Southwest America, oh, yes. raptors and like velociraptors in uh, a jungle in, I believe it's Chile or Peru. And there's a lot, yeah, in South America, a lot of the dinosaur stuff. And I mean, it's recent too, so it's weird because it's like. Does this stuff still exist? Or and it it, it came and launched you into the whole Earth theory and all that too, and Antarctica being like a savage land type place, like it launches you land of the lost type place, like it launches you into everything. It just that's why it's my favorite topic, honestly. And but to find someone who actually could talk about it and has seen it is a whole yeah. impossible task. Uh, I will I, say I've got a friend who he's a writer. He's also a cryptozoologist, and his name is Matt Bill at B I L L E. And um, he has good stuff out there. So everybody should check him does, out. Because he's he an actual or? cryptozoologist. No, but he has books published and we've had, oh, okay. we'll have to have him on the podcast at some point too. Matt Bill, I'll, I'll have to look into him. I definitely, I mean, I have a decent collection of uh, cryptozoological books because of Cryptic Crate and me picking mm. them up at other places. But it's always... I always like to add a collection when I have some extra money. So we'll see. I always said I want to have the biggest cryptozoological library in the world. And I don't, don't honestly think it's that hard a task to do. So no, there's not going to be an interesting but... one. All right. So why, why don't you tell the people where they can find your books, your podcasts, or if they just want to get in touch with you about any of the above? Okay. Yeah. The easiest way is so my. My personal website and as a writer is thewarriormuse.com. And then the podcast is mysteriesmonstersmayhem.com. So <laughs> those are pretty easy to find and they'll lead you to either one that you're interested in. And I have a tab that has links out to my books, but they're always at uh, Amazon at the very least. And Smashwords for those who don't like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that good stuff. So. I do have some collections out there, including one with the porta potty story. I actually used it as the title for the book. So it's Blue Sludge Blues and Other Abominations is the one that has that. And that was my first collection. So. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, and I will, of course, post links to all that in the description as well. So people can just click and go because that's the way that's the best way to do it because people are lazy. Yeah. And as I, I want to thank, Shannon for coming on of course it's been an amazing episode I love getting to talk Stephen King and X-Files with people and not many people I get it I don't get to do that, I don't get to do that with like mediums and psychics so it's always fun to have an author on to talk that type of stuff yeah it's fun thank you for and, having me and a fellow podcaster fellow podcasters are always fun to talk to because they're used they know how to do a podcast very well it does it does make it a little easier <laughs> we only have had the one podcaster on so far that friend who'd won the Hugo and so he knew exactly what he needed to do. So nice. Yeah, I know, isn't it? Yeah. Well, as all my listeners know, you can find me on Facebook at Paranormal The New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings. Podcasts with an S 
Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can find me on YouTube as Paranormal the New Normal. All my all my videos are uploaded there eventually. They don't release till they release on podcast though. I'm not trying to spoil things. And you can find me on TikTok as Juggalo Bastard Podcast. No paranormal episodes are up there yet, but I'm working on it. It's hard to convert every video down to 10 minutes at a time. Fuck TikTok. <laughs> right. <laughs> As an author, that's what they're saying. Get on TikTok. And I'm like, <laughs> don't I do enough? Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, for an author, that didn't make more sense, though, because then you could just read a couple minutes of your, like, like the first couple minutes of your book, you could read the, you could read to them. Or, or just have the words appear on the screen with like creepy music. Like it's yeah. I mean, there's there's options with that at least. When it's just a podcast, you have to literally sit there and edit the video into six to ten to fifteen like clips and then upload each one and copy paste the title and make sure the hashtags are working and oh it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. I've got like four episodes up in my other show and it just that took days. So I just gotta start working on it more often, but soon enough. Well, I do thank you for coming on, Shannon. It's been a pleasure. And I will definitely talk to you soon. And to all my listeners, thank you for listening. And watchers, thank you for watching.